hello and welcome to the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast for Canadian doctors. I am your host, Galen Nuttall. Join me as I interview doctors and related professionals and talk about what it takes to achieve wealth in this, the Great White North. Not just wealth as measured by a bank account, but also family, faith, and health. Be sure to go to galenhelpsdocs.com. That is G-A-L-E-N. That's how my name is spelled. Helpsdocs.com to get access to my free video series where I uncover the top myths about growing your wealth as a doctor. North of the wall. Now, please enjoy the show. Hello there. Today, I'm interviewing Christine McGinn, who lives in Ottawa uh, and is the CEO and co-owner of Assurance Home Care, which is an Ottawa-based initiative, fast-growing home care solutions company. And what they do there is they provide income in-home care to seniors. And Christine has been in the nursing and healthcare industry for the past 32 years, so definitely has a lot of insight into uh, that arena. And uh, in 2018, Christine was recognized by the Canadian Nurses Foundation for Innovative Leadership, also awarded and recognized by the Royal <clears throat> Ottawa Hospital for Mental Health uh, for her contribution and leadership in mental health in 2019. And then also, last but certainly not least, awarded Best New Business at this year's um, awards put on by the Ottawa Board of Trade and the Ottawa Business Journal. So welcome. Thank you, Galen. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited to have you too. So it's kind of funny. Um, I don't know if I'll have time to go into how we met, but we kind of met under funny um, circumstances near where I live. So I live in Belleville and we met up, uh, we were at an event in the county, uh, Prince Edward County. If any of our listeners haven't been there, they should go for mm -hmm. sure, um, especially when the weather gets better. So um, what, what fascinated me about you when I met you was that um, you're definitely working very hard, um, building a very uh, important business. Um, even before I hit record, you were telling me about how you hold events where there's standing room only because people are really, really interested in learning more about what it is you do and how you help um, the Canadian population. So if you could just give us a, you know, just tell us like the Cole's notes of like what it is that Assurance does, like what is the problem that exists out there that Assurance is helping uh, solve? I think that would be interesting. Yeah, so great question. So Assurance Home Care is a boutique styled home care company that offers uh, a wide range of home care solutions for people who want to remain in their home for as long as possible. So everything on the spectrum from simple companionship or assistance with housekeeping, uh, right through to palliative care end of life and everything in between. So we have a couple of unique services um, to, uh, that, that differentiate us from other home care companies. And one is we have a gourmet style home delivery meal service, which we're very proud of. We actually hired um, the head chef from Canoe, which is one of the top 10 restaurants in Toronto. And uh, he was looking for a lifestyle change. So uh, he moved to Ottawa with his wife and, um, and uh, applied for our head chef position. So we're very proud of that. Uh, so it's all, uh, you know, fresh whole ingredients um, and delivered fresh and cooked to the senior stores. Very That's nice. one. Um, the second uh, one that we're really proud of is, um, you know, our healthcare system is in a, in a bit of a, you know, I guess it's no surprise that it's in, in a bit of a shambles. And uh, so we have a care coordination management position, which is uh, a combination of advocacy and boots on the ground family for, say, if you're living out of town, and, but your mom has a doctor's appointment, you'd love to be there, but you can't. So you send a qualified, uh, skilled system navigator um, 
from our company in to take notes and report back to the family with the client's permission. Just one of the many things we do, um, but essentially we will wrap ourselves around that client and, and um, be the family member for them in the absence of a loved one. Yeah, and that's certainly, that's very interesting because, I mean, certainly I'm seeing more and more where, um, you know, there's an aging population and their kids aren't always near home. You know, I'll meet people who live in this area, but they've got kids in Alberta, BC, you know, Western Ontario that can't just come at the drop of a hat for a thing. So that sounds um, super helpful. For and, sure. That's, uh, that's referred to as the sandwich generation. Yes, exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're right in between. They've still that's got kids right. to take care of and parents to take care of. Yeah. And then when do people usually um need to be in touch with you like what are the, what are the what are the things that either happen in someone's life or the stage of life that someone hits to then say okay i really should talk to someone like uh, someone like insurance yeah well interesting question again because um you would think it's it's when you have an illness uh, diagnosed or you're going for surgery and you want to make sure that things are in place for you when you come home not always the case about 65% of the clients that we see are seniors in that kind of scenario but there are others. So we deal with the Royal Ottawa Hospital, which is a world-class mental um, health facility for people struggling with all kinds of uh, mental health issues. And we've dealt with their uh, mood and anxiety clinic, for instance, where uh, a, a mom who has been in the, in, in the um, inpatient program for three months, but has to go home at some point to three young kids in the home, one of whom has aut autism, for instance. So we will go in in advance of the discharge, working with the social work, along with the social worker, to set the stage for her to have a stress-free transition to the home environment by getting the kids back on a schedule and uh, making sure they're doing their homework and doing their bit to help moms transition. So that's just one example of of uh, things that are outside of what people think about in terms of home care. There is a myth out there that, um, that it's just for the, for the ill. Um, to the contrary, we are seeing more and more seniors engaging us proactively to help them access resources for socializing in the community uh, with their peers, um, for uh, helping them get, a, get an exercise program going for them, um, helping them in the areas that they that have become sort of onerous for them and and then are taxing on their health so getting on top of those things before they become in a crisis situation well i noticed um yeah i noticed that you i mean part of your uh, bio is that you were recognized for contribution and leadership in mental health and so i was i'm glad you brought that up because i was wondering where that fits in so i can't help but wonder i mean i have uh, a number of clients who have um, children who, uh, you know, are autistic or, um, you know, need a level of care, um, you know, that's, and it's top of mind for them. And especially in cases where, you know, that's their only child and they're getting older and they start to wonder what's going to happen to their, um, child uh, after they're gone, you know, they can do things like provide financially, um, you know, and that's usually where I fit in is to help figure all that out. But then there is a level of um, concern there of, you know, who's still going to be around to help my child navigate certain things, um, you know, uh, yeah, to navigate aspects of life that, that are extra complicated for them. And uh, is that sort of also where you fit in? Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah. our, our care coordinator could act as an advocate for, for anyone, you know, in that situation and, and providing what we really provide for people is peace of mind, peace of mind that when you're not here, that your child is going to be cared for, even if they're an adult by then, um, you know, peace of mind to, to the sandwich generation, 
uh, children who can't be there to attend doctor's appointments and, and uh, tests and procedures for their parents. So that's really what we deliver and it's, and it's highly customizable. So it depends. We look at a person holistically. So we don't just look at what's going on physically. We look at what are the social requirements of someone and, and their emotional, um, how is their emotional health? And we wrap around the services uh, to help, uh, help them ma maintain independence um, and keep them safe uh, in their in age and place where, where they'd like to, whatever that is, um, for as long as they wish to be there. Got it. Yeah, definitely peace of mind. Like I'm, that's definitely top of mind for especially the people I'm speaking of, of, you know, uh, as they're getting older, wondering how, who's going to take care of their children when they're no longer around, do they take care of And I guess one thing we should say, just in case people don't know what the sandwich generation is, um, yeah. what is, what is the sandwich generation? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that. So sandwich generation are those, um, you know, traditionally in the middle age category, like myself, um, who have, who are taking care of aging parents while at the same time still raising and very involved in their kids' lives. And at the same time, living busy lives, most people at, at my point in, in um, you know, the, the life cycle are at the peak of their career. So it's highly stressful. We're, we're, we've got a lot of incoming demands. And uh, so we feel we're sandwiched between them, literally. Yeah. If, if, if a sandwich could have three side like not just the top and the bottom but like of the gen two the older generation the younger generation but also like the career on the side and then like you know the health yes, on the other side yeah for <laughs> yeah, sure, for sure. Beast in itself <laughs> oh absolutely and then uh, so just for you particularly christine i mean you have a background in nursing um you've started assurance like just if you could tell us about what got you what happened to make you say okay this is something that i want to do i want to work in this arena of helping people with this problem yeah, I think initially um, I am a very, I'm very, very passionate about senior care. I always have been. And I think that came from my upbringing, uh, being, being brought up in a small town with, with um, very traditional values. One of the, the biggest values I grew up with is respect for older people, for elderly people. And calling them Mr. and Mrs. and not dear and honey and sweetheart, which, <clears throat> you know, the me generation tends to do these days. <laughs> Um, so that really started the ball rolling. Um, then when I was um, uh, a young adult, my mom and I uh, climbed this local mountain close to our home when she turned 65. And we got to the top and we were standing there. And she said, you know, Christine, when a woman turns 65, she becomes invisible to society. And that actually, uh, I, that resonated so, so much with me and, and really drives my passion for what what I do. No one should ever feel uh, that way, um, that they are not valued and respected and heard and supported. So it's been super important to me from the very beginning. Um, I went on to uh, my very first job I ever had was as a VON home care community nurse. So my degree actually is I specialized in community health nursing and then went on to take a, a position at VON. And you know, you only get one opportunity to see things for, with a fresh pair of eyes because over time, experience and age taint, taint your perception of, of everything. So with those fresh pair of eyes as, a, as a, uh, a young graduate, I really, the first very first thing I, I remember thinking um, is we ought to be doing better. You know, this is our most precious and, and uh, incredible resource, our, our elderly, and yet, I felt like it was the whole system was completely lacking. 
Um, so this is actually my second healthcare company. I actually had one in the, in the 1990s and early 2000s that only did care management, taking people by the hand and guiding them through the system uh, to, to uh, achieve their maximum, uh, uh, you know, maximum health. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that story is really incredible. I mean, coming from a small town where you, um, you know, in that environment, and I can definitely relate to that, like the town where my dad grew up uh, and I'd go visit my grandmother, small town, uh, definitely like a senior oriented um, environment um, where everyone's going to church and everyone's sharing vegetables from their farms, like a very different vibe than like, you know, I feel modern life has taken on or at least, you know, urban life. And um yeah, that story about your mom saying to you, when a woman turns 65, she turns invisible. I mean, it's really, um, I mean, I've certainly had, I had had uh, clients, I had a, a client a while ago uh, in her 90s, and I remember the day she, like things happened, like for example, she she lost her license at 91 or 92, I think, and that was a huge blow to her mm -hmm. um, freedom. Um, she, especially in a small town, like we don't have Uber in Belleville, so like to get around mm -hmm. became difficult. I think also, um, for her, certainly there would have been an element, or for anyone, you know, there would have been an element of, um, you know, uh, sort of like self, uh, a hit to the self-esteem, right? Like, oh, I can't drive anymore. Like, I'm getting mm -hmm. older. I can't, I'm not allowed to do these things anymore. And, um, and so I think it's, I think it's fascinating that you saw that, that issue coming about and your own desire to help solve this problem of um, starting insurance. So, um, what did it look like? I mean, you know, so you, you say it um, in a way that makes it sound almost like, oh yeah, you know, I started this company, I started that company. <laughs> like for most people, it's like, wait, 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 you started a company, period, much less two, <laughs> and are having success. Like what, what is, I'm just curious to talk a little bit about what that leap is like for, um, you know, going from some, like it sounds like you, and correct me if I'm wrong, like just from nursing as a, as a profession to now I'm going to start a company that supplements or kind of helps fix something that's still lacking in this arena. What was that leap like for you? Well, it's, it, it's been a lot of work, <laughs> a, a lot of work. Um, but, but very fulfilling and rewarding because, um, what really, you know, you can't go into business, um, if you're in it for the money, it's never been about that for me. It's certainly what drives me is, is just, uh, a passion for that, uh, a passion for what I'm doing, and knowing that that our company and our team are making incredible and substantial differences in in people's lives. Mm. So, yeah, and that helps kind of push you forward, knowing that you're making exactly. Making it impact. actually makes the job easier. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, and I I didn't let, tell you I was going to ask you this, but if you could, is, is there's any way you could think of an, a specific example? Um, you've given us examples of how people engage, but if you could think of a specific example of someone who has said, you know, thank God I talked to you guys because now my parents or now I or you know, I'd be interested to hear like a specific story of how someone uh, was able to call you up and get some help with something they had a problem with. Yeah. Well, one, one, I mean, there are several examples sure. I could go on for three days about <laughs> yeah, them, yeah. but I will uh, highlight one mm -hmm. um, that I got a call from uh, two um, children, uh, adult children, and uh, they, their mom had been admitted to emergency because she had fallen in the night and the literally she was crying into the phone and she said to me, um, my mom is going to die if we don't get her out of the hospital. That's what her words were. So I said, okay. So I went over to their, to um, the daughter's house and uh, she actually lives in a two story house. And um, 
uh, and her mom lives in the, the downstairs. So her mom has the main floor and she lives upstairs with a door in between. So it's like a, a duplex. But um, so we, I said, I met with them, looked at the home environment, then went over to the hospital. And, and sure enough, her mom, what had happened was her mom had been admitted to emergency because she had fallen in the night and had a little um, hairline fracture. When the emergency room staff asked her, asked the mom, um, if she had someone at home and that could take care of her, she said she responded and said she lived alone, which was true, but failed to mention that her daughter lived upstairs. And um, so she got admitted to the hospital. Um, within a week, she developed the flu. So mm -hmm. then her hospitalization was extended. Within three weeks, she was in bedridden as a result of the flu, developed um, an embolism oh. in her leg, which is a blood clot, and then got on the list for rehabilitation. Uh, so when I got involved, I talked to the social worker right away and said, um, you know, is there any reason why she can't go home? And I provided information about what the home environment looked like and the fact that the daughter lived upstairs and the social worker says, we can get her out in 24 hours. So, and so the daughters actually said, and it's, it's not really my doing, but they did say, you, you literally saved my mom's life. It's wow. a feel good feeling. I can't take responsibility for it, but you know what I did? And what our team does is connects the dots. Our, our system is very siloed. You know, the hospital doesn't know what's going on in the home and they're all so busy and understaffed sometimes. So they don't necessarily ask all of the right questions when someone is admitted. And this lady literally should have just been an emergency room visit and a discharge home that night. And uh, wow. so I'm, I'm personally proud of, of that one. Um, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think like from what you're saying, it sounds to me like, like you said, you connect the dots and it sounds to me like you're looking at it from like the big picture. Um, like you said, everyone's kind of in their silos and, you know, kids maybe don't feel like, you know, or anyone might not feel like they have as much of a say with their own care as they really do at the end of the day. Like, I feel like when I meet a lot of people, they feel like they don't have that ability to ask for more or ask, I shouldn't say ask for more, but ask for certain things that they need. And of course, like the time with the you know, the overworked staff at a hospital or, you know, if that's the situation, you know, it's limited, you know, it's like, I got to make the most of this time. Can I, you know, how do I get, um, you know, get the information I need? And, you know, you coming in from a big picture view could say, oh, this is all that they needed to know to be able to give the go ahead to send someone home. And uh, that's yeah. definitely, and it's certainly, I know, like, when I've been in that situation, like, especially like, you know, I had, um, my daughter was in the hospital for a week, a couple years ago, and it was nothing serious. But, my ability to like my, I know that my cognitive ability dropped <laughs> because like mm -hmm. such a big part of my brain was so preoccupied with what was going on with her that sure. I was probably working at like, you know, 40% maybe uh, in the other areas of my life. And, um, probably not making like the smartest decisions around certain things. If I had someone else, you know, with that, and I get like, especially when it comes to this parent in the hospital and you see, like they said, she, she's going to die if she doesn't get out of there. She's, she's bedridden now and she can't get out. So no, that's a very, that's a very clear story of, of how you've kind of stepped in. But one of the things I'm interested in, one, in knowing is because um, this podcast is geared towards med medical professionals and specific, you know, Canadian doctors. Is there anything that Canadian doctors should be aware of when it comes to the, pro the services that assurance provides or home care, home based care companies provide? Yeah, for sure. So there is a big push in Ontario to end hallway medicine. And we're all in this together. Every health care provider is working towards that, that goal. And so where I see an opportunity for physicians and home care providers to work is, is to do just that. So there are opportunities where a physician knows the medical history very well and the medications that the client is on or patient is on. And in the home care providers, 
know what's going on in the home environment and have intimate knowledge because caregivers are in there sometimes every day and looking for and you know opportunities to see changes or deteriorations in conditions so we can work together proactively to get on top of things that arise before a person has to make an emergency room visit or has to be immediately placed to to say a long-term care facility that doesn't exist and they end up in, in, in an alternate level of care bed in the acute care setting. Yeah, so it'd be to help. And, and so just maybe in case uh, people aren't familiar with the whole ending of hallway medicine, um, that's, that's due to just overcrowding of hospitals, like people are ending up in, is that what that means? Like ending up in hallways instead of actual beds? Yes, exactly. So it's, you know, there's an increased visit to emergency rooms because people don't have options. There aren't a lot of them. There aren't mm -hmm. enough family physicians for everyone. So what do you do on a weekend on a Saturday night when you have an issue, you go to emerge. So it's getting, it's getting overtaxed our, our emergency room system. It's also very costly. You know, the, the alternative level of care beds, it's around $1,200 a night to keep mm -hmm. someone who doesn't need acute care in the hospital waiting for a bed. There are better solutions uh, uh, for that that we need to access. Yeah. Well, my kids definitely tend to get fevers at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. when there's no yeah, other. <laughs> I feel like it's, that's when it hit kicks like boom, like when it's the least likely time to get anything from, uh, you know, right. the family physician and ending up in the ER and everything. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So you can, so the, a little bit of collaboration between uh, the primary care and uh, can help alleviate that help work towards that ending of the hallway medicine, which yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah, I mean, I won't go into it, but, uh, you know, I've lived in three different countries. Uh, so United States, Venezuela, and Canada, each with different approaches to healthcare. And there's certainly pros and cons to each. And um, I remember, um, you know, when I used to live in uh, Venezuela and I would meet Canadians, they would say, oh, you know, Canadian healthcare. And um, yes, absolutely. I'm a big fan of everyone having a certain level of care. And there's certainly huge gaps in the United States when it comes to healthcare. But obviously, there's huge places to keep continuing to make improvements in the system where, um, you know, in the town of Belleville, every time a new family physician shows up, it shows up in the paper, but there's always something at the bottom that says, you know, how you can actually get a family physician, which is not usually by calling them. It's usually like people from the wait list. Um, we have a nurse practitioner clinic in Belleville to help with some of that overflow of when people can go uh, meet a nurse practitioner um, if they don't have a family physician and they can still get a very high level of, you know, care. But yeah, certainly there's, it's good to know that there's other that you're out there doing other things to help alleviate this issue and spread things out a little bit more than having everyone go to the same place for all their issues of going to the emergency room, ending up in a hallway on a stretcher, that sort of thing. That's right. Very good. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today. Um, what I'll end is, is, so last thing I wanted to make sure I got out there was, what is the best way for anyone to learn more about what you do? Um, you know, is there a website? Is there, uh, what's the best way for people to know, learn more? Yeah. So you can, um, you can visit our website, www.assurancehomecare.ca. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're on Instagram and follow us on Facebook as well. All right. So Assurance Home Care, so that's A-S-S-U-R. A-N-C-E, homecare.ca. That's correct. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I learned a ton about um, what you're doing and I can see why, as you mentioned before I hit record, that you hold events and sometimes it's standing room only because there's so many people in the sandwich generation, like you're saying, or people who are older, who are you know the parents of that generation, wondering what their options are when it comes to um, getting the healthcare they need at home or you know transitioning in and out of the hospital. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Sure Thank thing. You All for right. Thank you for having me. Take care.
You too. Bye. This is your host, Galen Nuttall. Thank you for joining me at A Clean Bill of Wealth, the podcast for Canadian doctors. I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out my free video series at galenhelpsdocs.com, where I debunk some of the myths around wealth generation for Canadian doctors. Take care and talk to you soon.